Did you finish today? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. Fucking yeah. It's like the first game you finished in like 10 games or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, I mean, yeah, it was only five hours long, so I don't have much of an excuse this time, do I? You managed to get through it in five hours? I think it was about that, yeah, five or six Ooh, hours. Oh, man, I must have left my poor screen on for some good <laughs> <laughs> No, to be fair, I actually just can't recall how long it took me to play. But I remember thinking it was longer than I thought it was going to be. Uh, you always say that, though. Yeah, it's because I always look at Time to Beat, and Time to Beat must be like the nerdiest, most enthusiastic people ever who are like all part-time speedrunners or some shit. Mm. So they're like, oh, yeah, four to five hours, and then I get playing, and I'm like, right, I mean the fifth hour and I don't feel like I'm anywhere near the end of this game mm. plus they always say like oh yeah to complete the story but no one ever wants to complete a story they want to play the game that includes a lot of sort of just exploring the environment or yeah. reading random posters and signs or like and they talk yeah. about completionist but even that seems a little bit too sort of crossing the I's dotting the T's other way around <laughs> <laughs> You knew what I meant. But yeah, okay, that's cool anyway that you've played it. <laughs> I think we can talk about it now. Um, should we do the intro? Yeah, big time, mate. Big time. Okay. Okay, so shimmy up the pipe, crack the window. Why do I have to go? It's what you do, in it. I don't know why I have to explain this. You're the cat burglar. I'm a bit afraid, Ites. My balance isn't what it once was. Can't you go? No, you're going. That's an order. How comes you get to bark the orders? Because I'm top dog. Come on, we've been over this. Dog bosses cat. Dems the rules of the animal kingdom. Can't we ask one of the others to stop monkeying around and do it instead? I've got jitters and a bad furball coming on. We can't send one of them. Why not? Well, if Finn goes, the neighbours might smell something fishy. Right. If we send Pingu, his happy feet will give him away. Plus, no opposable thumbs and he can't fly. He's useless. Don't know why we recruited him. Morale, innit? Got a killer groove, that kid. Then Clucky, too chicken. She gets out of everything. And Mal, lame. He's been lame ever since he joined the gang. Shouldn't he go to a doctor? He's a fuck. Sorry? Fuck. Fuck. I mean... Duck. Sorry, I shouldn't have sent you this script by phone. Or at least edited it. Ma- <clears throat> Ma- Mal? Mallard? Ma- Mallard is a duck. A lame duck. Vet then. The animal hospital. Whatever. Mate, I think you just got to accept you're the feline man for the job. Maybe Mr Fox will have an idea. He's pretty crafty. Pretty sly. A sly fox. Yeah, I get it. But this whole thing was his idea. I run every plan past him. Makes sense, I suppose. He is fantastic. Mr. Fox, he really is. I knew we shouldn't have recruited our squad from the animal sanctuary. Should have gone to the aquarium like Ocean's Eleven. They weren't recruiting at the aquarium. Of course they were. Where do you think they got their name? Come on, stop worrying and get your shit together. You a man or a mouse? I'm a cat. Exactly. My whole point, you're perfect for the role. Pull this heist off, you'll be a fat cat too. Okay, okay, right. So crack the window and that'll be the studio where they're recording. Yeah, should see two mics right there. Know your lines? Maybe you should send Nelly if you want me to remember my lines. Oh yeah, funny. All right, no need to get catty about it. So, what are they then, your lines? I'll hit record and then say, 
I'm not really a cat, I'm Teo. Great, and I'll say I am sort of top dog, but I'm not, you know, like a literal dog. I'm Ben. Wait, what? That's not fair. And this is Pixel Vision. Pixel Vision. I would say, though, that your voice started off very squeaky and then, like, got lower in pitch as it went on and on. Well, that's part but of it, isn't fine. it? You know, that's all fine. Fun and games, man. It's like Jason Statham as his voice was breaking. That's, that's my fine. <laughs> as his voice, what, like, from ages 11 and a half to sort of 12? Yeah, sort of post-pubescent Jason months. Statham. That's exactly what I was going for. Well, I think you did him proud. Good. I'd like to think he would think so as well. Yes, ma'am. You know what I'm talking about. I remember doing an interview with him where I wasn't really doing it myself, but a colleague of mine was doing the interview with him and <laughs> I was going to transcribe the interview afterwards. Thumbs up right there. But there was a moment when they asked him about it. I assume, I haven't ever actually found out who this is, but I assume it's his partner or was his partner, someone called Rosie. And they said something about Rosie and he was like, we're not talking about Rosie. We don't talk about Rosie. And they were like, oh, okay, all right, move on then. Like that. And the PR person like butted in. I remember thinking like, fucking hell, he's really scary when he wants to be, even as the man, Mm. not the character, you know. Sounds a bit like a kind of Phil Mitchell versus Vinnie Jones vibe in extras. (laughs) Yeah, I think it actually was. I think they spend so long in those characters that they just sort of become them. You think you're well hard, don't you? Are you hard? No. No, you're not. And if I hear you slag me off anymore, I'll come over here and I'll show you what really hard is. Do you know what really hard is? Beating me up and that. Yeah. But I bet he can't transport goods across the city in top time. No. (laughs) Oh, nice. Nice to get a Jason Statham reference in there. I don't think we've mentioned him since Death Stranding, that little transporter clip. Oh, yeah. Well remembered, Tay. Totally forgot. Sorry, I have an appointment. I don't like to be late. Well, would you rather be late or dead? Right. Should we talk about this game? We probably should. What are we playing these last three weeks? Been playing Stray. This is probably one of the most up-to-date games we've ever played. Yeah, it is. Got really good reviews this game this year. and read lots of good things about it. And I love cats. What? play as a cat mm-hmm. so i was keen to play it yeah what are your initial reactions what you want me to let the cat out of the bag straight off the bat <laughs> yeah i do genuinely just came up with that yeah i could tell <laughs> by the grin on your face <laughs> it was a chris pratt moment wasn't it <laughs> what was your question sorry i got totally sidetracked by my pun your reactions to the game sometimes simple is good I would say. Mm. I thought it was a cutesy little adventure. Didn't outstay its welcome. Probably wouldn't sort of write home about it. I wouldn't kind of go out of my way, you know, short of recording a pod and broadcasting it to the world. (laughs) I wouldn't go out of my way to tell everyone to play it or anything. Mm. But I certainly had an enjoyable 
time while I did play it. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, similar-ish. I, I would recommend it, though, because like you say, it doesn't outstay its welcome, but it, as we know these days, a lot of games do outstay their welcome. Mm. So I'd say if a game is, is good and enjoyable and also it doesn't outstay its welcome, then it is worth recommending. Yeah, that's true. That is one of the number one offences that we come back to on this pod, isn't it? It is. It is, yeah. So we've got to give a game credit where it's due and uh yeah it's well paced a good length (laughs) hopefully we'll find something more to talk about than just its length but yeah it is a good length Mm -hmm, for sure well (laughs) sorry i almost started that cockney accent again um (laughs) do you want to uh give us a quick summary of the game teo before we kick off yeah i'll give us give us a lowdown it's called stray that's a third person adventure game where you play as a cute little cat you definitely get the feeling it's for cat lovers, this game, because they really try hard. You know, you're not like a game cat. Oh, I mean, you are a game cat, but you're allowed to do lots of things which people love cats doing, love to watch cats do. You get to do those things like scratching rugs and scratching walls <laughs> and stepping on keyboards, that sort of thing. So yeah, you get to do cat things, but not in a very cat world. It's set in a sort of dystopian city. So you find yourself at the start of the game in some slums and you eventually team up with an AI companion and, yeah, spend the game trying to escape the city and building lots of robot friendships along the way. Mm, quite quite sort of almost surrealist the way you just described it there. I feel like it makes more sense in the game than, than your synopsis implied that it might make. Well, I mean, it's it's allowed to set up its own world, isn't it? Yeah, I know, but you just suddenly started dropping in robot sidekicks. It's like, well, why you haven't mentioned anything about robots so far? Oh, come on. It's a, it's a games podcast. You're allowed to suspend reality. Right. You, get, you get an AI companion. You build up friends with robots. You escape the city. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, Didn't it, even mention the Zerks. Yeah, which are basically just head crabs, aren't they? Yeah. They've yeah. literally just ripped a head crab straight from the Half-Life series. Yeah, something between a head crab in Half-Life and one of those minions from the film Minions. There's something quite, like, minionish. About. What is that film called again, Tay? <laughs> minions. Oh, oh, no! I mean, they're not as sort of human as minions, but there's something about the way they kind of like swarm. Like head crabs in Half-Life, they don't really swarm, do they? They're like here and there. Whereas these are like a big old blob of them. Yeah, but they definitely... Okay, fair enough. They don't... Head crabs don't swarm, but the design, the look of these little mutant bacterial creatures is very much the look of a head crab yeah and the way they bound at you at the last minute like hurl themselves at you yeah another game that just ripped this design straight from half-life is prey with their mimics did you ever play that mm. no i haven't you played, played prey, prey? oh no. mate we should have done that on the pod that's an absolute killer game what? Are you kidding me right I've constantly <laughs> been saying we should do Prey, but the problem is you've already played it. Yeah. I'd love to play it. All right. Well, maybe you can just do a solo episode on Prey. Yeah. <laughs> but suffice to say, I would give it the heartily recommends and a thumbs up. Yeah, really good. But mm. they did rip Mimics from headcrabs as well. Mm. No one has been able to stop the Mimics from multiplying since they broke containment. I'm going to help you stay alive just a little further. 
sorry, anyway, massive digression into Zerks there, mm. which are probably your only enemy in this game, aren't they? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's the Sentinels a little bit later on, who are kind of a robot police force, but they're more your adversary than your direct enemy, I would say. Yeah. Do you remember? There's the little floating robots. That's true. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Remember what Sentinels are. Also, very similar to the drones in Half-Life. But I mean, fair enough. Drones are drone, isn't it? Whatever the game is. Drones are drone, yeah. You start off in the slums anyway, and... You don't, though. That's another thing I was going to pick you up on. You don't. The game starts and you're on the surface. That's because I didn't want to spoil it. Well, that's not a spoiler. That's the first fucking scene of the game. That's literally yeah, the also... least spoiler thing I could say. Well, all right. Well, let's let's start at the start then. But it's just because how you get from the start to the slums, I thought it was just such a nice moment that you might not know that it's going to happen unless you were told that it's going to happen. And it's such a short game, yeah? That moments like this are like gold. I don't think this particular moment is like gold. Basically, you're above land. You're with a whole little community of cats. Is there a collective noun for cats? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know what you call them, actually. That's a good point. All right. There's a posse of cats. And you're all sort of just hanging out and purring and like sleeping and meowing mm. and whatever else cats do. And then you can go wandering along this pipe and sort of hopping around. And you can already tell this seems like a sort of, it's almost like a Last of Us style Earth, isn't it? Mm, it is, yeah. You're along this sort of overgrown pipeline. Yeah, there's a certain sort of destroyed industrial aesthetic to it. Yeah. Which I've got to say I'm absolutely massive fan of. In all fiction, including, you know, books and whatever else. One thing <laughs> like, I know what fiction is. No, but what I mean is, like, Cormac McCarthy's The Road obviously comes to mind as a pretty, like, basic yeah, yeah. one. But, I mean, pretty much any dystopian fiction that features civilization as we know it today, but massively reclaimed by nature, is just yeah. a beautiful aesthetic, I always think. Yeah. The Earth Remains, or whatever that book's called, where, like, the whole of humanity gets wiped out and then it's just a few people left surviving in the overgrown wasteland of what humans had built. Yeah. Good vibe. Yeah, I don't know what that book is, but it sounds like a lot of books. <laughs> That's the dystopian genre right there. It's the one they reference loads in, in The Last of Us. I only know, actually, because a friend of the pod pointed it out to me and lent me the book. That's why I've read it. Oh. It's the coolest fucking story I've ever heard in my entire life. That's insane. Is it, can I hear it again? Do you have time? So you're hanging out with your other cats. You're walking along this pipeline and the pipeline like breaks basically, doesn't it? And you end up falling into this huge yeah. abyss. It's a cat's worst nightmare. You make a leap and you make it, but the thing that you've leapt onto snaps and breaks and you're disconnected from your cat family, cat posse. Mm. Because I've actually found that moment quite shocking because, well, I guess it's just because... Did you see the story recently of that um, footballer who kicked his cat? Wasn't that recent? Like, it was this year it happened. Uh, I can't say. I I followed... <laughs> I followed such a story, no. <laughs> well, name and shame. It's Kurt Zuma. Now he plays for West Ham. <laughs> 
doxing him. I'll put his number and his address in the show notes. <laughs> I think he had to do community service for it in the end. But it got a lot of reaction online because there is something quite horrifying about violence towards animals and I don't know, like especially cats. There's something about kicking a cat where it's like, oh my God, you evil bastard kind of thing. Yeah. And it feels like that. Obviously no one's kicking the cat at the start of this game, but when it falls down, you're like, oh my God, are you hurt? Like, oh no, <laughs> is the cat okay? Like you just want to help the cat. So immediately I think that really gets you invested in the cat that you're playing. But I do know, Ben, that you're not the biggest lover of um, cats. Yeah. Or maybe even animals in general. <laughs> I was just about to say, I think maybe you empathised a lot more with the cat than I did. Mm. I was like, come on, get up. You've got nine lives. <laughs> Not even one of them. How long is this cutscene <laughs> going to be? <laughs> on the clock here. Nah, I wasn't moaning about the cutscene lengths, to be fair. They were all right in this. Are there even any cutscenes? Kind of mini ones, aren't there? Yeah. But yeah, the main thing, I thought, when that moment happens and your cat falls into the abyss... Was I was just fully expecting the cat to say, Fly, you fools! <laughs> because he falls exactly like Gandalf. Like, literally, the framing of the shot, it's gotta be a reference. <laughs> yeah, what, when he's clinging on with his little paws before he, like, goes. Yeah. And he, like, scrabbles yeah. at the top and then releases mm. both hands at once. Ah, iconic moment, yeah. And kind of iconic in the game as well. But yeah, I mean, we're still very much within the first couple of minutes of the game. Yeah. So that's how you end up in the hierarchical city. Mm. And obviously your motive is to get back out. Yeah. But it is interesting though, because like, obviously that's your motive as the player. But is it your motive as, as the cat? Yeah, because you were with all your little mates before and now suddenly you're by well, yourself. Yeah, you're the one who's meant to empathise. He's suddenly lonely. Yeah, I know. But it's it's interesting how, obviously, you don't get to hear or see the cat's thoughts or the speech of the cat throughout the entire game like you are just a cat yeah. right well what would it be saying to you today <laughs> well exactly i see dead people the way that they get around this is that really early on as well in the first chapter you meet this ai companion and they're the one that does all the speaking for you throughout the game so you are able to talk to the different characters in the game but you're not the one doing the talking mm. you're just carrying a, a little robot which um, does all the talking and the direction and the, the plans and the objectives for you. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. And also kind of gives you a few extra abilities, doesn't he? Because up until then, yeah. I mean, even with him, mechanically, and I mean in terms of game mechanics and what you can do as the player, mm. it's very pared back. You can jump, you can scratch and meow, as Tay mentioned. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, until you get a, like a few little abilities. But yeah, it's, it's all based around movement. So the Zerks that we mentioned before, there will be sections where you're running away from them and then it becomes a sort of a escape game, doesn't it? Mm. What do you call those? I mean, it's like Crash Bandicoot. I guess just like sort of platformer almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like in Crash Bandicoot where like the dinosaur's chasing you or whatever and you've just got to go really fast. Yeah. And then even the jumping, it's not really platforming, is it? Because it's a 
there's context, context dependent. Yeah, it's it's not quick time, but it basically is. It's where dependent on where you position yourself, whether you can perform an action or not. Which is interesting. I, I've never seen that before. What what did you think of that? Yeah, you have. You got it in Halo, mate. You can only do a wall clamber if you're at a wall, can't you? Well, yeah, I suppose. I suppose that's true. But you still have a like a, a manual jump. It's like an addition, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. It's just usually a small jump, yeah. But in this game, you don't have a, any kind of jump unless no. you're a, a wall, yeah. Yeah, and I remember reading something about their decision to make that. Is that also true of the... Sorry to interrupt. Is that also that's true okay. of the Splinter Cell games, Conviction and stuff? Those stealth games where basically you're not really meant to be running and jumping anywhere, but when you get to a ledge, you can climb the ledge, or when you need to hop through a window, you can hop through the window. Mm. Hitman as well, potentially. Very well, could be. It kind of feels like Metal Gear Solid maybe had that as well, now that I think about it. Anyway, sorry, go on. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, I read that initially they made it a bit more traditional, like with the, with the jump button and blah, blah, blah. But their problem with that, the developers, was that you didn't feel enough like a cat. Basically, it gave you the opportunity to be really stupid and clumsy. It's not how a cat moves. And so to make the player feel more like a cat, they designed a system where you could only ever make the jump. Yeah, that would have been more like goat simulator vibes, wouldn't it? Exactly. I was going to mention goat simulator as well, which is just for a laugh. Whereas this is much more like they want you to feel like a cat. I liked it. Like, you do feel really smooth. You're never, ever annoyed at a jumping puzzle. You just kind of, like, feel quite cool mm -hmm. to, to have done it, and then you don't have to do it again. Mm. I agree, sort of. So first of all, it does make you feel like a cat up to a point, whatever that may feel like. But certainly you feel like you're embodying a cat and doing these actions as a human. <laughs> you're a human in a cat's body doing what a cat does, okay? Uh, and it feels like you are that as well. And everybody tells me that it's cool to be a cat, cool for cats. But the sacrifice that the game makes is a lack of autonomy because the game is mm. dictating the every position you have to be in to make those jumps up to mm. a point obviously you know it's very generous if you're near a thing you can jump onto you can jump onto it you don't have to like walk to the exact spot on the map to be able to jump up to it or anything like that yeah but it does mean that in much the same way as during quick time sequences where action is happening on screen and you're just told to push a button to essentially continue the action smoothly mm. you feel way more like you're prompting an event that is occurring on rails rather than you are performing that event as an independent autonomous person yeah or cat yeah there's no skill involved so you never really get the satisfaction of being skillful at this game because there's just zero skill involved isn't there well i mean the running sequences maybe you know you do have to move around obstacles to run away from things otherwise you die and restart yeah um standard you're right but i think it's generous enough that it still makes it fun which is the key thing for me like a quick time sequence is not fun because you haven't made any decision about what to do yeah that's true you just press the button when you're told to press it whereas this you are making the decision oh i want to jump onto that and so i'll go over to it and then press the button to jump onto it that's true and also i think it speaks to a key aspect of this game which is that 
actually the whole game kind of is on rails. Like it is very, very linear. The environments that you end up being able to explore are super, super limited. And that doesn't really matter because it's a story-based game. So you're really yeah. just kind of playing for the for the atmosphere, for the story as it unfolds, for the characters and the warmth of the characters yeah. and the kind of warmth of the narrative, which we'll get onto. And so you're not playing because it's, it's kind of reflex-based or skill-based or mm. any of those other things that we'd often associate with games. More than any game we've played, I feel like this could just as easily have been a Pixar film. Yeah, I mean, you're not kidding. We haven't got onto it yet, but when you do meet the robots, they're literally all like Wall-E. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, let's talk about it because the first kind of big-ish area that you come to, where you're a bit less on rails, is the village the sort of slum village where um, these these robots live. Yeah. And you don't know why they're just robots, like where are the humans? There's all those sort of questions going on. But there's loads of these robots here and you can chat to them all with your AI friend and they've all got their own little houses performing their little robot lives. You can explore that area and like you say, you don't need to go to a lot of it, but there's a lot of flavour there, I think, both in like the graphical fidelity and the characters. Yeah, agreed. And the graphical fidelity is an interesting one because even though the game does come across like it could be an animated film, it's actually leaning more into sort of photorealism at times, I think, mm. especially with the textures of like posters on the walls and the lighting of the cities. And when you enter some of the rooms and you can run on, there's a piano or you can run on yeah. like those kind of things. They're realized as if they were in this world, mm. not trying to be stylized in any particular way. So it is interesting that despite the fact that they're playing for reality, actually they're also leaning really strongly into this. I, I think it's almost storybook. And, and I say that because I'm thinking mm. Winnie the Pooh specifically in terms of the simplicity of the characters and their emotions. And when you speak to them, their observations are these kind of like almost not profound. They usually just make very basic observations about their state of mind or their state of being or what's happened to someone they know. And it's quite refreshing. It's quite refreshing that they yeah. haven't tried to dress that up with complexity. There's never a sentence that runs longer than about eight words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not quite like Pokemon where everyone in the game has something to say specifically about Pokemon. <laughs> like every piece of dialogue is just to do with whatever that character happens to be doing. And there is a simplicity to it. And, that, and that's because they're kind of like children, aren't they, the robots? There's no humans around anymore. And presumably these robots once served the humans that lived in the city, but they want to imitate humans. Like, so they revere humans and they're trying as, as hard as they can to be like humans. So they're all dressed in these raggle taggle clothes kind of like playing dress up almost yeah for the humans that are no longer there and they're trying to learn instruments and perform mm. artworks that's a really interesting exploration or theme within the game as well actually i think the idea of art and whether robots are able to achieve it or not yeah it's true it's true it's funny because they've personified the robots so you probably go into yeah. it if you're anything like me anyway feeling a little bit not elitist, but very humanitarian about art in the sense this is kind of like near spiritual or kind of performed by a human. It's an expression of what it is to be human, etc. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that a robot could emulate that or an AI, and this is 
obviously super topical at the minute with Dali or mm. Dali or however you want to pronounce it and yeah. the various other mid journey yeah mid journey exactly these AI artworks and then actually in this game obviously you're sort of led to empathise with the robots who are aspiring to produce artworks because they are personified with human emotion yeah and also they're living they are sentient aren't they and they do have their own experience in the world and stuff to express and it is a post-human world yeah exactly yeah as far as you can see it is yeah since we're talking about robots and we're leaning into that a little bit i think we need to introduce our little robot sidekick especially because we're talking about robots meet humanity walk to me That's falling. Your task is to get out of the city. Your robot sidekick was like helping a scientist whose job it was to open the city when the time was right. So they're really excited, the AI, when you sort of reboot them because the fact that you've come from outside the city is proof that now it's time to open up the city again. Yeah. That presumably the world is a bit more habitable again from whatever happened before. You never really find out. It's safe to assume that it is because you were a cat up above the surface before and were living, you know, fine and dandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what gives you your mission to open up the city. And then that links into what some of the robots, not all of the robots, but some of the robots you meet also want to do. Like they also are aspiring to get out of the city. They're called the outsiders, aren't they? They're called the outsiders, yeah. It's almost like a story of them breaking free of the roles which which humans had previously given them as well. It's like they're kind of finding their autonomy. I mean, if you wanted to go somewhat excessively into the themes that the game's exploring in this way, you could equate it to Plato's cave, right? Ah, of course. Yeah, you, you certainly could, yeah. These robots that have only ever known the depths. I mean, it almost literally is a cave. <laughs> mm. So they've only ever known that. And some of them are like perfectly content within those walls. But then yeah. these outsiders are not. They want to see outside the cave. They want to know what's beyond. And you're kind of helping them to do that for sure. Mm. But your sidekick is called B12. Oh, yeah. Which by itself, you might think, oh, yeah, B12 just like, I don't know, relates to vitamin b12 which could be good for you (laughs) but then you've got bb8 and you've also got bb obviously not in this game i'm talking bb8 in star wars bb in death stranding i bet there's other b robots Mm. what's the deal why are they all b i don't know but i knew that the one in star wars began with a b and i did wonder if it was the same or not Vitamin B isn't the one you get from the sun, is it? No, that's D. If it was the one you got from the sun, yeah, because that, then that would have been quite cool. It's like, yeah, the sun actually plays a kind of big part in the game, doesn't it? In a way, although while we're on the vitamin thing, you got more vitamin chat. Big aside, and want to quickly caveat this with: I am not a doctor, so any recommendations, research yourself. But I am a long-time migraine sufferer, and I recently found out that vitamin B2, which is also known as riboflavin, or riboflavin, don't know how you pronounce that, Mm. in, like, fairly high doses, really, really good preventative. It's literally since taking this, I haven't had a migraine. I used to get them really regularly. So if you are a migraine sufferer, check it out. Back to the pod. (laughs) (laughs) 
You can buy your supplements from pixelvisionsupplements.com. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for Alex Jones. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> My heart's big. It's got hot blood going through it fast. I like to eat. Yeah. Truly diversifying our platform. Yeah, sorry, where were we at? We were talking about the robot sidekick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so in, in the first little robot village, you kind of meet this other quite despondent robot called Momo, who wears this like super colourful jacket. And he's really sad because some of his robot friends, he's not sure that maybe they managed to escape or maybe they're dead. But anyway, you collect their research and find a way to escape through the sewers to get above ground. Yeah. That's one of your key sort of mini objectives, isn't it? It's It follows quite a classic, like, find three things. Yeah. And they're really not very difficult to find. Yeah. But in that same area, there's quite a nice subplot, which is irrelevant to everything, except for maybe the theme about what makes art art, mm. which is to collect lost music sheets. Oh, yeah. For this, like, musician that's got a guitar. Mm. And he kind of strums it a bit, but he really wants to play music. And obviously his sight reading prowess is enormous because he's a he's a robot. <laughs> yeah. So you just bring him a sheet music and then he plays it to you and you've got to find eight sheets. I quite enjoyed that. Did you find them all? Yeah. When you find them and you bring them back to him, he'll play them and you can just like lie next to him. On, like as a cat, mm. like curl up in a little ball and just listen to him play the music. And it lasts for like a couple of minutes, real time. You know, you just sit there and enjoy it. This actually reminds me because Annapurna, sorry, Annapurna Interactive are the publishers of this game. And we've covered a couple of games by them before, Outer Wilds being one of them. And this did have that similar sort of vibe slightly, didn't it? Especially with the like listening to the music in real time. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Like opportunities just to sit and listen or observe the world as it moves around you. Definitely. That's an example of when it, of when it is like that so it's like not the same level as outer wilds where it's almost like this clockwork machine the world which is like always moving Mm. around you whether you interact with it or not not that level of detail but um the example you said where you get to lie down like a cat would and go to sleep the camera sort of zooms out really slowly (laughs) as you're as you're lying down and gives you this like huge panorama of whatever area you're in which is really cool i think yeah really nice little cinematic totally unnecessary addition from a gameplay perspective but as as a like artistic expression really cool and really satisfying to watch Mm. i've got to say maybe it's because i'm um Maybe it's because I'm so gamified now in my approach to all these things. When I first saw that the camera did that, I was like, oh, I wonder if it reveals like secrets about the map if I just sit and wait. And like as it pans out, I'll see areas that I wouldn't have known were there, perhaps routes to different areas. Mm. But yeah, I don't think it's going for that. I think it is just going for a sort of gentle cinematic while you recline and enjoy the world and the music and whatever else yeah definitely more more about the mood and actually i wanted more of those moments from the game than it than it delivered more of the rest points or more of the like musical moments musical interludes not necessarily the rest points but like you've already mentioned the um stepping on the piano which is really nice like cat thing and like satisfying to do you wanted cats the musical didn't you (laughs) the greatest magicians have something to learn from mr mistopolis conjuring turn and we all say oh oh 
well I never was there ever A cat so clever as a magic bear Stumble star police He's quiet, he's small, he is black From his ears to the tip of his tail He can creep through the tiniest crack He can walk on the narrowest rail Forget the musical reference. There's another moment where you two robots are playing. I think it's Mahjong they're playing. And you can jump onto their table and like ruin their game, (laughs) (laughs) which is really fun. It's just a a lovely little moment that you can do. Again, like not related to plot progression or anything. It's just a funny little gimmick. But there's a few different ways that you can jump onto the table. So after you jump on the table, you you watch them sort of like pick up the pieces. Yeah, their expressions are great. They're like, oh, (laughs) yeah. And then eventually they'll be playing again. So you can just sort of ruin their game from like multiple different angles. And I felt like they could have designed in so many more moments like that yeah. into the game. Yeah, it's true, actually, because even in a game, and I mean, it feels unfair to contrast it to, you know, Valve going back to the Half-Life comparison. But when you played through pretty much any of the Half-Lives, there are tons of those moments, right? Like you overhear a bit of dialogue or mm. another one, another gaming franchise that does this a lot is the Max Payne games from Rockstar, where you're kind of just walking along a corridor and you'll overhear something in one of the rooms and you can kind of listen to it. And you might not even notice it. You might mm. just walk past it. But if you do listen to it, it's a little treat. It's a little reward. Or there's like a running mm. TV show on the screens that you're passing that you can just stop and engage with. Previously on Lords and Ladies. Lady Amelia, Marquis Valentine asks for an audience. Thank you, Lawrence. My lady. My lord. And now, an all-new episode of Lords and Ladies, brought to you in part by Acer Corporation. And so you do get a lot of that in some other games as well. And I agree, like in this, it seems almost optimal for them to include more moments like that. Yeah. Although the moments that were there, I did really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you sort of sneak into a shop by like jumping into a box and being carried in or destroy uh, security cameras by like jumping on top of them and stuff the way in which you complete your goals are just quite gentle and and cat-like aren't they yeah this does bring me back to something i wanted to say right at the beginning and somehow distracted myself from saying which is even though it's really effective in embodying the cat Mm. i did think at times given that the whole game is you as a cat it was a little bit wooden animation like yeah. Not just wooden, but sort of repetitive or like faintly robotic in and of itself. Mm. Your whole game is about a cat. Like maybe add some additional animations because I've seen this exact animation happen far too often in the last few minutes. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I don't know, maybe you could have been a little bit slinkier or just a, a, bit, a bit more variation. But I don't know, they, they did get some bits right. Like the way that the cat runs, the walking to running scale that you perform is is really cat-like i think yeah i guess the jumping as well there's one robot actually at the beginning which i think is quite funny um which isn't dependent on a context a context button where there's just a robot walking around the streets and you can just sort of go in between his legs and he falls over like every single time (laughs) yeah damn cat which I thought was really nice. And that that's one of the only things in the game, actually, which you don't need to press a button to do. Yeah. But it was cool that they included it. That's true. Another thing you can do as a cat 
that we didn't yet mention in addition to kind of meowing which does actually have a utility in the game and so does scratching like both those things so scratching can reveal hidden wall panels or it can like pull up a rug that maybe has a door underneath or pull down a wall hanging or something like that mm. and meowing can distract enemies I think or call over enemies so that you can kind of reroute them and reposition them and route your way around them yeah but you can also rub yourself against Mm. Sorry, possibly a slightly too long pause there. You can rub your your cat body against the legs of the robots and enamor yourself to them. Yeah. And they get like a little heart above their head like, oh. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I wonder what that's doing within the game world. Nothing, don't think. I think they just quite like it when you do it, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you can, I think there's only one... Well, there's only one time that I found it anyway, but in the final part of the city you're in, you can jump onto this robot that's having a snooze don't know why he needs to have a snooze but he's having a snooze on a sofa initially he's like surprised to see you and then he just goes back to sleep with the heart eye like you see and you can just curl up on his on his lap oh that's cool did you get an achievement for that because mm. you do get an achievement for like rubbing a certain number of people's legs and you also get achievements for kind of various other cat-like things that you can do yeah, no, I can't remember. Which, we've talked about this before, but I think when a game is going to give you achievements for those kind of things, I just feel like it's better if it just like lets you know up front. These are some mini objectives you can do as you play the game. Or maybe you have to like at least start on them so that you explore mm. and you get that sense of discovery yourself. Like, oh, that's cool. But then once you've realised that, it gives you an indication that this is towards an achievement. And you're like, oh, maybe I'll look mm. to do other things like that. Whereas this sort of like, you complete the game and then it's like, ah, you only did it nine times and you needed to do it ten. You're like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's not, it's not the best system, is it? I mean, you could definitely say that we're being quite basic gamified people here, but you know those children's books where it's like a page. It does feel a bit like that, like a big double page book with a huge picture on. And then you've got to like find the five fish or whatever, if it's like an aquarium scene. Mm. Those sorts of little puzzle books where you're just finding things in a huge picture. It could have done a bit like that. I guess Where's Wally is the obvious example to go for. Yeah. If you'd known like, oh, find the such and such in this area, you'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to find it. A bit more detective. Yeah, like you do with the sheet music. Because like when you first find a page of sheet mm, music, it true, comes up true. with a little indication that you found like one of eight so then immediately yeah. you're like, oh, I'm going to keep my eyes open for sheet music. Whereas I rubbed myself against the legs of robots. I think it genuinely was like eight or nine times with no indication it was working towards an achievement. And then at the end of the game, I saw that there was an achievement for doing it. And I just had done it like two times too few. Even though I don't care about achievements. This is like Reddit points. It's like pointless internet points. But like, I was so annoyed. I almost had it. <laughs> God, oh. we're so easily manipulated, aren't we, as gamers? It's, yeah. It makes me feel a bit sick, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we just enjoy this nice story without having to worry about rubbing against someone's leg ten times? Anyway. We started talking about the plot a little bit, so maybe we should get into that a bit more. Yeah, yeah, okay, let's get back to the plot, yeah. So that's the main thrust of the story, like you're trying to get out. But you do meet different characters along the way, and I thought it did this quite nicely. So you're, the only constant character is the AI which is, we should say, it has a sort of little jetpack which can float above you. So it's got a bit more manoeuvrability than you. And it's equipped to you in this kind of cool cyber belt. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's complete flight of fancy when this happens. He's like, oh, I'll put the coat on you. It just seems to fit you exactly. And then the coat just sort of like morphs onto your body. It's like, huh? How did that happen? But yeah, it acts as a little hanger for your hovering AI friend. Yeah. Let's start with you, shall we? You got the mochaccino face, wonderful skin, and the big broad shoulders, okay? Let's put a dead animal on you. Croc skin, buttercream, buttercream, croc skin, buttercream. What size is the waist? Let's go in. I wanna- Hey! Watch his sweetness. He's got some fire to him. Honey cups. I like that. Go get the clothes. Okay, I'm gonna Hurry pull, up. I'll pull some items. Ooh, jeez. <laughs> Little Kim, I'll be back. You see that? He likes you. I'm not shopping with you no more. There's almost like a different subplot in every area, isn't there? So in the first area, I can't remember what the guy's called, but he's lost his dad. And like his dad's an outsider who's escaped the town somehow to do some research called Doc. Oh, yeah. That's almost a little bit sad, isn't it, that plot? He's in the bar. You find him in the bar and he's just drinking by himself. Yeah, yeah. And it goes back to those sort of robots trying to be human themes that we talked about earlier. Like he really misses his dad. And then you go out and you find his dad and they reunite. But then that's that. Like it's like a really self-contained section of the story moves the plot on for you because you get this equipment which can zap the zerks by shining a little light on them but then also you see this sort of emotional reuniting of Mm. father and child it is almost like i know we're leaning into the childlike comparisons a lot but it is a bit like a sort of child's introduction to adult themes do you know what I mean? Like mm. alcoholism as a result of the loss of a parent or the alienation that you might feel if you have that sense of abandonment, but like not depicted mm. with any great nuance, just like here's a robot that's sad and he sits at the yeah. bar and drinks because he's missing his dad. <laughs> yeah. And then you give them hope that their dad could be. And then suddenly this is like he's sparked into life. And yeah. Yeah. It has a similar both aesthetic and sort of sense of adventure to do you remember a game called machinarium that was like one of the early phone games yeah of course yeah of course it, it was really similar the, the vibes in it to this yeah i thought that as i was just playing through it was that annapurna as well oh you are kidding me if it was that is some old school annapurna right there i reckon it might be obviously that is a 2d sort of side angle point and click yeah, yeah. I remember playing it on my Nexus 7. So what was it that felt similar with that game? In its gentleness or just in the robotness? The sort of solitary nature of your protagonist and the characters he meets along the way and the focus on companionship. Mm. But also just the way that the robots and the machines that you encounter operate and kind of the way they look and how sort of basic their mechanisation is. Mm. And actually, since we are talking about comparisons, have you seen the film Finch? It's quite a recent Tom Hanks movie. No, I've not even heard of it. It's one of those classic, he bloody loves these movies, doesn't it? Tom Hanks by himself in some remote location. Wilson! I'm sorry! I'm sorry, Wilson! I mean, I can't believe Tom Hanks is still alive. He must be about 100 years old by now. Yeah, he fought off COVID, mate. Yeah, he's actually just done another film where he plays a cranky old guy. But we're, we're digressing into Tom Hanks' films. Don't let that dog piss on my walkway. He has no idea who's doing that. Well, it was one of you. This one, Finch, specifically is relevant because he builds himself a little robot companion. 
specifically mm. because he knows that he is mortal and is dying and he's going to die before his dog dies and he wants someone to look after his dog. So he basically builds a robot to look after his dog. Oh. Similar, isn't it? Similar, like... Why doesn't he have any friends? It's dystopian, mate. There's no one around, you know? It's just him. Oh, wow. This is really... This is just techno castaway instead of yeah. Wilson. It's a robot. Yeah, basically. But they, they have a lot more personality than... I think the robot ends up naming himself Jeff. In your hand. Other hand. Corresponding hand. And shake hands. Welcome to the world, Jeff. I can't remember what his dog's called. But, yeah, they have a lot more kind of collaboration and communication than he has with the coconut. I'm sorry! I'm sorry! Wilson! I can't! Wilson! Wilson! Well, yeah, and I mean, I like this theme because it's just nice to think of robots being nice rather than evil. And as you do get on into the game, you do have the Sentinels, like we said, who are a little bit more like your dystopian robots mm. under orders, doing what they're told, making sure that the Neko Corp factory keeps running. Yeah, well, so this is what we haven't really got to yet, which is, again, sort of the child's version of adult themes. This is like your authoritarian corporate governance, right? Yeah. That is essentially running this city with an iron fist and has its enforcement agents out and is ruining the fun for the street kids who are trying to play football yeah. and like yeah. that, that's why you end up bringing down the cctv cameras because they want you to yeah so they can play their music again breathe deep breathe slow when i eclipse i exist from the house of the iron fist breathe deep breathe slow when i eclipse i exist the iron fist i yeah, exactly, because they're, like, hanging out and there's a curfew being imposed by the... What are they called again? Necrocorp. Neko. Necrocorp, right. Do you not know that word? I guess maybe you wouldn't know it. Mm, go on, fill me in. It's simply Japanese for cat. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually quite good. Some serious subtext you were missing there. <laughs> I quite like that. That is another example of... One of these kind of, it's again a staple of this type of fiction. You've got an authoritarian regime that's kind of mm. enforcing stringent measures and often like quite horrible practices on its populace. Yeah. And the populace are too cowed to do anything about it, except for a few people. And in this, there's one character in particular, her name's Clementine, who's the rebel that you're going to help. And you do help her and she helps you in exchange. Yeah. She's like the most successful, and I guess you'd say like the most courageous outsider. So the first one you meet, Momo, he does well to be fair, but he is a little bit flaky and <laughs> a little bit of a coward. So he ends up like holding a door open for you and you get under it and you, you leave him there. Then there's the next one, I can't actually remember his name. He kind of goes down a sort of spiritual path. Isn't he the dad that gives you, the doctor who gives you the defluxer, the sort of light ray gun? No, no, not, not the dock. It's like when you get to that really tall city, it's just below the main city. Ah, uh, the ant village. Yeah, ant village. No idea why it's called ant village. No, me neither. <laughs> No ants. But anyway, one of the outsiders there, the sort of the leader of that place, he's just there sort of like praying, like he's 
trying to reach enlightenment, but you're not really sure how. But yeah, Clementine's like pushed on all the way down from the the sewers to to right up above, and like she's like really close to getting outside. Yeah, and not just that, but continuing on the sort of fairly well trodden dystopian themes is the fact that the city itself, much like the train in Snowpiercer or Ghost Runner or the platform in platform is hierarchical so when you're at the bottom you're in the slums then you move to the hand village it's kind of like the middle area then you get to the sort of fancy town at the top yeah and each layer brings you closer to the corporation who obviously are on the very very top (laughs) and they're kind of the villains of the piece yeah would you wear a shoe on your head of course you wouldn't wear a shoe on your head a shoe doesn't belong on your head a shoe belongs on your foot A hat belongs on your head. I am a hat. You are a shoe. I belong on the head. You belong on the foot. Yes, so it is. We'll talk about getting to the top later, but yeah, on the Sentinels and the dystopia of it, it's still really gentle. You don't see any violence at all, do you? No. I'm not sure what that... I mean, you get put in prison. You can die as well. Oh yeah, you you for sure. But it's more just like a game over screen and then you retry, yeah. You get put in prison, but they're not on a very efficient oppressor (laughs) put it that way it's not exactly Alcatraz yeah (laughs) no one has ever escaped from Alcatraz and no one ever will I enjoyed it and it was fun but like it definitely couldn't win any plaudits for originality because even the like getting captured and being put in prison and then breaking out of prison is in so many games why is that in so many games I don't know but we played it in just recently in Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order yeah exactly it happens in Star Wars you end up getting captured put in prison it happens in Riddick Escape from Butcher Bay but I mean isn't that literally the point of that game That I guess that is the whole premise but Fable is the one that really sticks in my head because oh, yeah you're really taking back a few pegs in that one aren't you it does work though doesn't it it's quite like a fun because just the idea of escaping from any kind of incarceration is always gives you a kick on the Fable one I think they did it in Fable 1 and 2 didn't they <laughs> Oh, didn't they? Or maybe Fable 1 and 3? It's like, come on, like, I can't believe you're doing this again. It's literally the same series. The darkness of the cell consumed the hero's mind. And it consumed his life too. Another year would pass by in this prison. Another year of torture. The ancient, noble blood in his veins, the power of the guild, none of it meant a thing inside these walls. But anyway, it is fun to build up your abilities and then have them taken away from you. But in this game, it's hardly even the case. But what you do get taken away from you is your AI companion. And so suddenly you're like alone again. You can't like interact with the robots anymore because you haven't got your AI companion to do the talking for you. So suddenly you feel like actually quite naked. Like. Just a little boy lost looking for a lamb in the all-night city. Oh, before I was like almost a a human cat because I had this like thing speaking for me above me but now I'm just back to just being a cat and it does give you an effective sense of loss in that regard as well mm, yeah for sure speaking of things the game gives and game taketh away <laughs> um, <laughs> the defluxer gun which I mentioned a minute ago that one of the characters the dot gives you and it helps you get past the zerks the defluxer gun emulates sunlight so it shines this super high UV ray at them Mm. and kind of makes them explode and disappear 
when that first got introduced, I was kind of like, oh, this is cool. But then I was like, oh, this is a bit like lame in a way. It lasts you a little amount of fun utilizing it in kind of the same way you use a light in a plague tale or in alan wake or something like that to fend off darkness mm. but it's quite short-lived novelty but this game recognizes that yeah. gives it you for a couple of levels and then like yeah, yeah you don't get that anymore you know you got a, you're back on your own i really really respected that decision yeah like a character doesn't always have to accumulate stuff throughout the game sometimes you can just use it for a period and then not use it anymore <laughs> i thought both dynamics were fun like it was fun running away from the zerks and then it was fun to be given that tool and to be able to fight them properly and then it was fun to run away from them again yeah <laughs> like the scene <laughs> the scene where you lose it and you're you're really being chased was really epic i thought but at that moment, just before it breaks, you know, you're with those like giant eyeballs. It's going to sound like it's come out of nowhere now. <laughs> do you remember the eyeballs that are giant eyes? Yeah, I do. That are embedded in the walls. What was that about? Because completely unexplained. It's just this sort of, I guess it's meant to be like the living being, which is the, the, what the Zerks are a part of. Yeah, the living bacteria organism thing. But that was pretty freaky. I thought that was like bordering 11, 12 plus. <laughs> rating <laughs> yeah it's not exactly resident evil they were freaky though they all like opened and closed at the same time and literally the walls at some points are covered in these eyes which are all following you it's really f quite freaky i thought the sort of tentacly wall vibe yeah which is very common in games. Mm. I have the sneaking suspicion we might be mentioning tentacly walls again in the not-too-distant future. But, yeah, another podcast for another time. Specifically, next time. <laughs> well, let's carry on with the story then, shall we? So you get up to meet Clementine, and then do you want to say what happens next? can't really remember, to be honest. You end up having to sort of sneak your way through the Necorp factory which is quite fun. You're evading the drones and that kind of stuff. And then you get to the highest zone of the city where the doors to the city are. And this is a point where, I mean, I think you've probably had this impression since earlier on in the game. Certainly I did. Maybe it's not a secret, but it's clearly like a bunker of some sort. Like yeah. there was some sort of disaster on the surface that this whole enterprise existed to cater for. Yeah, and by the time you get to the top, it's really like Fallout vibes, but obviously a whole micro city rather than just a bunker. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you're here about to emerge from the vault, but you've got to open the doors. And so there's some little puzzles involving like computers and stuff. Yeah. And then the doors open and you leave the city. I mean, that's, that's, is that what you were getting to? Or do you want to? drop in the last little spoiler well yeah we should spoil it because we're getting to the end and we always reveal the end so yeah okay so should we give a little spoiler warning if that's what's going on well they've had it now this is this is more than we normally give uh, yeah all right well i wanted a more of a thematic one so meow spoiler <laughs> okay spoiler <laughs> that's, that's quite a good impression for someone that's never owned a cat thanks mate yeah so you get up to the top and you you ride the subway or whatever it is so you've gone from this kind of cyberpunky dystopian city oh, subway yeah i forgot about the subway classic classic device the subway monorail dead space vibes sorry 
the main thing that subway made me think of wasn't dead space although there is no black there is um the alien alien isolation that whole section mm. made me feel like i was on sevastopol for some reason <laughs> anyway mm. and it gets more futuristic when you get to your destination because suddenly everything's really well kept and there's all these robots who aren't trying to be humans they're just like painting the walls white and keeping everything in good nick and then yeah like you say you go into the control room for the whole city and yeah so you do open the doors but the other cool thing about this point is that you can see out onto the whole world to the whole little city through the glass windows and the ai says something like oh i hated them looking down at us and controlling us from this room and it is really nice like well realized view of everywhere you've been like you can point at the different places that you've been almost from the top you can see why you wouldn't like it if you're in the slums though and there's the people right up above it's that sort of Elysium, you know, Matt Damon film Elysium, where like all the elites live on that like super sweet outer world. Yeah, yeah. It is very cool and well realized though. Yeah, it's cool. So throughout the game, you're kind of unlocking your AI companions' memories. And at some point along, they remember that they were in fact human. Like the game we played recently, Soma, they're just an AI version of the a replica of the human's consciousness of the scientist. So you sort of think that they're the last human. But are they the last human? Because they're not human anymore. Yeah, and actually, up until you get that reveal, you can't tell the difference. I think that's the key point. No. You can't tell the difference between this AI who's been your sidekick that you've thought of as an AI, and now you find out he's conscious, but he's just the same kind of conscious as all of the characters you've been chatting with the whole game, and they were never human. So where's the boundary? Mm, yeah. Quite interesting that in order to depict this kind of confluence of consciousness, to express it in a slightly clumsy way, they've used a cat, <laughs> definitely not remotely human or humanoid. And from that outside perspective, you are afforded the opportunity to see this kind of thing that maybe wouldn't be as easily told if your protagonist was one of those personalities yeah and the fact that a cat can form such a close attachment as well like it would to a human to these robot or human ais or or whatever no there's just something quite affecting about it so the big thing that happens at the end the big loss at the end is that in order to open the doors the ai has to overcharge its batteries or whatever and so clonks down out of batteries mm -hmm. dead slash dysfunctional mm -hmm. your little cat character sort of curls around it pretty sweetly as if to say wipe yourself off man you dead because they're sad that it's lifeless and then just trundles off into the sweet unknown the great outdoors yeah <laughs> I guess that's a very cat-like thing to do as well to just move on swiftly yeah they're not known for their loyalty really are they cats not like dogs they're not although I will say my two cats are incredibly loyal I've never met couple of more loyal cats yeah that's what your neighbors say as well about your two cats <laughs> <laughs> all i know really about cats is that our street whatsapp group is just constantly banging on about how they've lost their cats or like has anyone seen their cat or whatever and i'm like why do you buy a cat they just fuck off they just leave you to it and then you're there chasing after him and then you find him and you're like, oh, he's back, he's back. And the cat's like, yeah, I am back. I didn't go anywhere. And then, you know, another 
four to eight hours out of sight and you're like, has anyone seen my cat? It's like, fucking leave it alone. It's a cat. It'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that is quite strange behaviour. I think you have to trust. That isn't strange, though. That's what everyone's like. That's not an individual person on the group. That's like tens of people who are like, I bet other listeners will have this experience of people they know who are like constantly losing their cats or worried about their cats or where their cat's been or whatever. You just walk down the street and you see those little flapping, dishevelled pages on lampposts, like wanted. Has anyone seen my cat (laughs) missing? And you're like, oh, for God's sake. I bet they don't go around and pick up all those flyers when their cat returns two days later. Well, I was going to ask you what the reason was that you don't like cats, because I don't think I've ever asked you. And if I have, I can't remember the answer, but maybe we've already touched on some of the reasons there. Uh, maybe. It's not that you don't like the cats, you just don't like the owners who, who care about their cats. <laughs> nah, it's also just, it's not, it's usually it boils down to hygiene. I don't really, it's not that I don't like animals. I love animals. I don't really like domesticated animals. Mm. And I think it's because I just don't really feel like animals belong in a human space. And like, mm. I love them when they're outdoors and they're doing their own thing. that element of a cat i quite like you know they're just sort of free in a way they just do their own thing mm. but then they come back into the house and jump on everything you don't want them to jump on and molt everywhere and cough up furballs and cough up mice and rat's tails and then they drool everywhere while making this sound <laughs> And you're like, oh my God. Or they do that thing where they're like, (coughs) and you're like, oh my God, what is this cat doing? And it's owner's like, oh, it's being sick. Oh, and you're like, it's being sick. Get it away from me. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. That's that's fairly balanced, I suppose. But virtual animals, they don't have any real fur that can muck up your sofas and whatnot. So No, but they still cause controversy. And that's why you get a game like bloody Far Cry or something where people are like, oh, you shouldn't really be able to kill the animals. And so they've introduced a mode where it's like, if you don't want to kill the animals, you don't have to kill the animals. Oh. Well, that can't be possible in like Far Cry Primal. I just remember there being quite a lot of skinning of animals. and Yeah. Yeah, there was big time. They got away with that because you're kind of like a tribes person in that game, aren't you? So it kind of feels like... Anything goes. <laughs> <laughs> Nuance, mate. If there's one thing we've discovered doing this podcast is that anything goes if you're a tribesman. All right, sorry, big digression. But I also do feel like we did justice to the game. Yeah, I think everything has been covered and I would recommend it. Like I said at the start, I recommended it then. Now I've had time to talk about it with you, I'd still recommend it. So there you go. I was probably more on the fence at the start, but I'll lean recommend as well. Definitely not heartily recommend because it's like there's only so many hours in the, in the day and it's like there are a lot of much more affecting and better games than this and more kind of compelling and enjoyable games. But that's not to say what it does, it doesn't do well and is in its own way a very simple but satisfying pleasure. Mm. Nice. I love our recommend scale. Sort of stay away, recommend, and heartily recommend. Yeah. So yeah, I would also just, just in the middle, just to recommend. Pretty good. Not bad. I can't complain. 
So, do you want to say what we're playing next? I do, actually, Teo. Thanks for asking. Our next game is The Eternal Cylinder. The Eternal Cylinder. Ooh, what could it be? How long is it? What's behind it? Is it really a cylinder? Why is it crushing everything in its path? <laughs> All of these questions and more will be answered in the next episode. This game looks weird, really, really weird, which is why I've been keen to to play it. Yeah, you have been keen to play this one, haven't you? Because you've been really pushing for it. I would say every time we come back to our games list of what game are we going to play next? Often within the first two games mentioned is the Eternal Cylinder. I'm not really sure why I objected, though, initially. I think I just didn't really know anything about it, and I was kind of like, oh, maybe there's some other games, blah, blah, blah. But then, I don't know, I couldn't really be bothered to think very hard about what a future game was going to be, and you caught me unawares with your, what about Eternal Cylinder? And I was like, yeah, yeah, why not? That sounds easy. I think it was more like there were a number of other options, and we couldn't play any of those for some reason, and you so you said... I guess it will have to be the Eternal Cylinder. <laughs> oh, was it because it was on sale? <laughs> well, I bought it ages ago on sale because I just knew. I just knew that we'd play it at some point. You need coerce me into it in the end. All right, well, that is a wrap. I didn't even mention half my references. I was going to reference cats. Do you ever mention cats with a Z? No, I have no recollection of that. I mean, it's like a children's game, but I loved it when I was a child. And you, you just look after cats on sort of 2D screens. Really fun. Sort of vaguely bringing about, but I'm not... You might have played dogs <laughs> with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> and they even brought out cats and dogs where you could like sort of combine both Did games. They both have Zs. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, oh yeah. Nice. Cats and dogs. Woof, woof. Meow, meow. Cats and dogs, not pigs and cows. Cause if they've got fur and they bark or purr, people come second and pets come first. Woof woof, meow meow. I love a good moggy or a frisky hound. We think we're the masters, but who gets served? People come second and pets come first. say that line again you stumbled over it and i'm also not sure why i'm speaking in this voice we could actually I don't know, just, I was do, just copying yeah we voice. could just do regular voices couldn't we all right we haven't done our regular voices for yeah a while. okay let's do let's try that let's try okay okay so uh <laughs> I, might do, I might do cockney ben instead cockney ben yeah i imagined it a little bit more like london sort of uh lock stock and two smoking barrels what's fucking stewie doing I only told the fat bastard. What's he sat in the car for? He's still sat in the car. Right, I'm going to start now. <laughs> Don't know why everyone's sat in the car. <laughs>